Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I am Clark Corbin. And one of the cardinal rules of podcasting is when you have the opportunity to start by talking about sex education, you start by talking about sex education. We had a hearing on Friday morning at House Education Committee, kind of an interesting hearing, kind of an interesting topic. Uh, get us caught up to speed here. Yeah, we'll lead right off with the sex education bill. Um, Representative Julie Van Orden, who's the chairwoman of the House Education Committee, is pushing a new bill that's designed to sort of update Idaho's sex education law. And there's a, kind of an interesting backstory uh, behind this bill and, and why this is even an issue before the legislature this year. Uh, but there is a Boise State University student named Hannah Gale, and she went to Van Orden first last year uh, during the 2017 legislative session. Hannah is a single mother who's attending classes at Boise State. And, um, so it started out as a class project. It started out as a class project, and she basically went to one of her professors and talked about her experience as a single mother and talked about if there was some kind of a project that she could take on to help reduce teen pregnancy rates in the state of Idaho. And, and uh, her professor encouraged her, and so Hannah found... Uh, basically, what Hannah uncovered is sort of this disagreement between Idaho law and Idaho's health education standards, both of which address sex education. Now, Idaho law is a little bit more out of date. That mm-hmm. law was yeah. passed in 1970. Meanwhile, uh, the legislature updated health education standards last year in 2017, but there's kind of disagreement between what's in the new standards and some of the old language that's left over in state law. I don't have to tell you why this would be a controversial uh, topic for a state legislature uh, to wade into, but uh, we, we have found... Uh, that controversy, and, and long story short, the House Education Committee voted to send the new sex education bill um, out for changes. They call it sending to the amending order, uh, but out for changes. There were concerns uh, from uh, some religious leaders and some family and community groups uh, suggesting that this bill didn't do enough to preserve parental rights, and that's a theme that we've heard for years in the Idaho legislature, when it comes to education, parental but, but, rights. But even as written, this bill provides a parental opt-out. Uh, parents can opt their kids out of sex education if they choose to, correct? That's exactly right, Kevin. This is a simple bill. It's a one-page bill. It's designed to sort of align the newer standards with the old law. And it also takes about four or five different sections of law that are sort of all over the books, all over the state code, and would consolidate them into one place. And so it's all kind of under the same heading there. But yes, this bill does a couple of things. Uh, One of the things it does is it encourages a partnership between the families, the home, and the school when it comes to sex education. But it also specifically includes a clause that would allow any student to be excused from sex education if a parent or a legal guardian uh, just filled out a form asking the local school district for that permission. That's already built into the law. And it would also allow the districts to to chart their own course and curriculum on sex education based on local local wishes of the community. That's exactly right. This bill would continue to preserve what is the current practice, which is school districts um, set their own curriculum at the local level in each one of our 115 school districts and 50 or so uh, charter schools. That would continue even if this new bill is signed into law. And the bill is so short, it doesn't doesn't tell you what to teach or how to teach. There's a couple guidelines in there uh, about the 
new health education standards. There's a clause in there about how all the information that would be presented to students must be medically accurate. And then there's the opt-out clause uh, for families and parents. But uh, religious leaders and and members of family and faith-type groups were concerned about the bill nonetheless. Uh, One lady said it was breathtaking in its attack uh, on the family, and, and I think those concerns sort of registered with um, the committee. Interestingly, Representative Van Orden was the sponsor of the bill, but she voted against sending her own bill forward uh, to the House floor with a recommendation that it passed. It's kind of an unusual move. Representative Van Orden instead supported sending it out for amendments, saying that uh, perhaps uh, strengthen uh, some language about family and parental involvement or perhaps add Uh, yet another new clause that would uh, be some sort of a parent notification clause. I haven't seen the wording yet. I don't know exactly what they would envision, but some sort of a a letter or a report or presentation or something that would go home informing the parent and the family about the sex education. It's difficult to speculate uh, what, if any, changes will happen. Kevin, as you know, any time a bill is sent out to the amending order, once it reaches the floor, any representative... Uh, may propose any amendment for any reason, and it's sort of anybody's guess uh, as to where the bill would go from there, right? And, and you, if you thought the only academic topic that uh, the legislature was uh, worked up about this year was science standards, well, you know, here you go. Pro- proof that there are other topics that are uh, also controversial. Yeah, I, I, I don't know uh, what the bill's prospects are for this Season Representative Van Orden did mention that her committee has kind of been bombarded with emails and phone calls mm-hmm. from residents uh, about uh, about this bill. She let me into uh, some of the concerns. And, and some of the concerns, people are calling and emailing, asking if this is part of some conspiracy or if it's related back to the UN. And uh, I don't see that. I don't see that written in the bill anyways. Uh, but we do see those kinds of concerns, and that would not be the first time uh, that concerns out of... Uh, over a one-world order or the United Nations would just completely derail a bill in the legislature. That's happened before on all kinds of different bills. But if you're interested in that story, uh, and if you're interested in reading the bill itself, if you head over to our homepage at idahoednews.org, uh, we have a write-up from Friday's hearing, and we link to the bill in the story. I believe it's House Bill 579, but uh, the bill number is kind of a highlighted in blue, and if you click on that, that will take you to a page where you can just read the bill for yourself and, um, and and see what it says and see what you think about it. And we'll continue to follow it. If it does reach the House floor, if there are amendments proposed, uh, if, if the bill is debated again this session, uh, we'll, we'll track it and we'll let you know what's sure. going on with it. It's a hot-button issue, a sensitive issue that really resonates with folks, and we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. For sure. I want to switch gears a little bit, Kevin. We continue to talk about some of these closely watched Uh, education metrics. There is uh, some new data that came out just this week um, about Idahoans and the degree of educational attainment that state residents have earned. Uh, This relates back to uh, one of the biggest goals in state education. But tell me about this new data and and what it says and what it means. The new data comes from the Lumina Foundation, and this is a group out of Indianapolis that is tracking what happens after high school across the country. And Lumina has a very ambitious goal. They want to see 60% of adults across the country have either a college degree or some kind of post-secondary certificate. So this is their cause. This is their one-issue foundation. And their most recent report looks at 2016, and they look at all 50 states. They look at really all adults, basically from 25 to 64. And that's important, and I'll 
try to yep. walk through why. Idaho's numbers, they're improving a little bit, uh, but they're not improving very much in terms of where we stand nationally. So the bottom line, 40.6%, 40.6% of adults in Idaho have either a college degree or a certificate. That's improved, like I say, and it's improved for the past four years, but it ranks Idaho 45th in the nation. Uh, and you got to keep in mind, too, 40.6% is uh, far away from where Idaho is hoping to get to in terms of uh, what we call the 60% goal. And talk a little bit about, these are close, uh, but not exactly apples to apples in terms of the data set that the Lumina Foundation is tracking and the specific population group that the state of Idaho has tracked for its 60% goal. We're both talking about 60% goals but the population sets are a little bit different, right, Kevin? Right, because Idaho is hoping to focus its attention on 25 to 34-year-olds, uh, folks who are just starting to enter into the workforce. So the, when we talk about a 60% goal at the state level, that's the group we're talking about. Lumita, Lumina looks at the whole adult population all the way to 64. And what we've seen in the past is that the numbers for Idaho, when you look at 25 to 34, are a little bit higher than what Lumina gets when they look at all adults. But anyway, you look at it, a number like 40.6% shows that Idaho is pretty far away, away from getting to the 60% goal. We knew that already, so that's not really uh, much of a surprise. What I found interesting, too, and what Lumina does a really good job of doing is, first of all, you get a comparison. You look at what's going on right. in other states. It was interesting to see that other states, when you do the apples to apples, comparing Idaho with neighboring states, Wyoming is close to 50%. Utah is up in the high 40% range. Washington, another border state, is above 50%. They're at 53%. And then when you look within Idaho and you look and you see what's happening county by county, which Lumina does, and it gets really interesting numbers when you get down into the details, wide gaps between counties. Obviously, a county like Lata County, where, where the University of Idaho is located. Go Ohio. Vandals. Yeah, go Vandals. Have a, high, have a high percentage. The highest in the state? Highest percentage in the state. Still below 60%, still though. Still below 60%. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you look at Clark County. No relation. You're right. Very, I've been there. I've been to Du Bois. I, I've been through, too. It's a very small county. And aside from the sheep experimentation station, there isn't a whole lot of economic activity in, in Clark County, Du Bois, only about 15% of adults have uh, a college degree or certificate. So you've got a wide range geographically within the state. And then you have uh, demographic gaps, uh, Latino students, uh, Latino adults, I should say, and, and uh, American Indian adults have lower percentages of, of completion rates than, uh, than the rest of the population in Idaho. And those numbers for, for Latinos and American Indians, the Idaho numbers uh, lag below the national averages as well. So a lot of ground to be made up there. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot to look at. And I think it's a good sort of um, you know, catch up in terms of where Idaho stands. Even though Lumina does the numbers a little bit differently, they do a lot of interesting things with the numbers. So it was uh, kind of, uh, I thought, important to break it down and try to explain what they came up with. Sure, that's a good report. Folks can head over to IdahoEdNews.org and look for that. I thought the level of detail was, I agree with you, I think the level of detail in the Lumina report was the most interesting thing to say that, hey, we have 44 counties in the state of Idaho, not one of them 
uh, reached 60% according to the Lumina criteria. The one that was closest uh, was Leita, not super surprising, like you said, being home to University of Idaho. But when you look at some of the other counties, even look at Ada County, I think that would surprise a lot of people uh, who live here when you see that below 50% and you think about home to the state capitol, home to Boise State University, home to the largest developed um, business hospital medical uh, industries in the state, all kind of centered right here. I think it gives people a real tangible sense of how much work is to be done. Right. Uh, and and how was, difficult that goal will be to reach. And that was kind of Lumina's read of the situation in Idaho, and that was kind of the reaction that I got from uh, State Superintendent Ibarra and from the State Board of Education. Yeah, we've seen some improvements, but there are still uh, there's still a long way to go. I think everybody uh, watching this issue in Idaho would acknowledge that. Yeah, We will continue to track it. Uh, Kevin, this is playing right into a huge project that you're mm-hmm. going to be undertaking this year, looking at higher education attainment, looking at that 60% goal, going out into rural Idaho, as we mentioned, with the help uh, of the support with the uh, uh, the Educa- grant from the Education right, uh, Writers, Writers Association. Association. Right, and, and this gives me, uh, you know, no, no surprise here, these kind of numbers give me a sense of where we might want to look at, what's going on in some of these rural counties. What's going on in some of these neighboring states? Why is why is a Wyoming or a Utah with a large rural population? Why are they doing so well? Why is Colorado? Uh, granted, Colorado's got a huge metropolitan area right in the heart of it, it? but why does Colorado have the second highest uh, completion rate in the nation? They, they it, it makes me wonder what's happening not just in that. Denver Boulder corridor, but what's going on in rural Colorado? Sure, a lot, lot to chew on, a lot of. Uh, a lot of questions uh, to, to pursue coming out of this report. And that 60% goal that we talk about, it's important to note that that didn't just come out of thin air. That was not just a strictly arbitrary number. Uh, the 60% was based on some workforce projections, uh, based on uh, projections for future job openings, STEM-type job openings. And so it really is... Uh, supposedly, it's supposed to be rooted in uh, workforce development needs and projections for the level of education needed to fill uh, essentially the jobs of today and the jobs of the, of the future is, is basically right. where that yes. 60% yes. number came from. It, it's all kind of tied to that whole workforce development thing. That's why Idaho has its 60% goal. That's why Lumina has latched onto a 60% goal nationally. It's all about workforce development. Are any states reaching 60%? No. Yeah, another Massachusetts, important thing. Massachusetts is tops with about fifty-seven percent. So, you know, nobody's there yet. Nobody has it figured out. Uh, we'll continue uh, to follow that, Kevin. That's a big project for you coming out. Uh, we'll continue to track that closely. So just uh, stick with us at Idaho Education News, and then we'll also talk about it in future podcasts. Right. And if you want to wonk out on the numbers, go to the story. Uh, I link you to the state summary and the national summary, so you can look at all the numbers for yourself. All right, let's move on. A couple more topics to get to this week. Kevin, on Thursday morning, you and I both got up extra early before sunrise to go have breakfast with the gentleman from the second floor. What am I talking about? What happened? (laughs) Okay, well, breakfast was good, by the way, first of all. This is an annual event. Um, Governor Otter meets with reporters to do an hour-long Q&A. It's obviously his last time doing this. and he did uh, did make some news on Thursday, and it kind of ties into some of the higher education stuff we were just uh, touching upon. Before he was even asked, the governor basically all but threw up the white flag on one of his big priorities for 2018, creating a CEO to oversee the higher education system and try to uh, administer over 
trying to find savings within that higher education system. That's been a big issue around the state house. Uh, it comes with a pretty big price tag attached. Otter said it's just not finding very much traction within the legislature. He suggested that what is finding traction is the idea of studying right. what a CEO could do, what kind of savings could be found within the system. And, you know, that doesn't really surprise me, and that's kind of where I've wondered if it's going to wind up. The idea of creating a $200,000 a year position um, without doing the study, I think that raised some eyebrows with the legislators. Factor in that Otter is retiring. Uh, the next governor is going to inherit the CEO, and none of the candidates for governor are all that excited about the idea. You could kind of see the writing on the wall, maybe, but for the governor to be as uh, as quick to pretty much surrender on this issue without even being prodded by reporters, I found to be kind of interesting. Sure. And if this sounds like a podcast from three weeks ago, this is almost exactly what you had talked about, Kevin, about how the study may have more support than the actual creation of the new position itself. And you've talked to the leading gubernatorial mm-hmm. candidates. You've talked to leading uh, college and university officials. This is not the feel-good proposal of 2018. No, not by any means. And um, a- again, you know, the one-time money to, to study the issue, I think, is a little bit more palatable with a lot of legislators. Sure. You know, the idea of, well, let's get a handle on what kind of savings you could find. Um, that may have a little bit more traction at the legislature. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks when those higher education budgets and the State Board of Education budget comes before JFAC. So not not really a surprise here. Uh, Also, and you can look at the roundup of what he had to say, what Otter had to say on Thursday. Also talked a little bit about school security, school safety in the wake of the the horrible events in Florida on Wednesday. Uh, He talked a little bit about school security, kind of deflected questions about gun control. And he was asked a couple of times about, about gun control and about, uh, it did not go there. It did not go there at all. But you can hear him. We've got some video from that, uh, from that Q&A, and you can read a little bit more about what he had to say. Oh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. He basically wrote off one of the questions on gun control saying, I don't understand the gist of your question. Uh, like you said, wasn't really t- the, up for talking about what sort of firearms or weapons folks should be allowed to have versus not allowed to have. But the interesting thing uh, is that the governor vocalized twice that it it, it would be very difficult. To, it, this is a difficult topic to talk about. It's a, it's a difficult subject every time it comes up. But the governor basically said, I can't guarantee you uh, that we're safe, that we're out of the woods, that nothing like this will happen in Idaho. He talked about some of the steps uh, that the state has taken, specifically with the school safety uh, task force from a couple of years ago working on things like uh, visitor and parental sign-ins, uh, one point of entrance and exit from school buildings, securing school doors, uh, having a better understanding of who's in the school buildings. Uh, and there are groups working on that. There is a, a school safety task force that is going around and kind of auditing uh, security systems and, and protocol at each school district. But I, I just I do have to say, as someone who visits public schools all throughout the year. Uh, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here, but there are all kinds of instances where I go to a school that I've never been to before. I'm not sure where to park. I'm not sure where I'm going. And I just go into a door and more often than not, it's unlocked and I wander around the building until I find an adult, a teacher or a sign pointing me to the office. And I've never been escorted out of a school. I've never been 
ask for my identification or who I am or why I'm there. Uh, and, and, and that no, was sort not, of what some right, of these audits right. reported, yeah. that there's a wide variety in terms of the protocols and how the entrances and doors are locked and guarded and the points of entry and, and things like no, that. I'm not trying to no. get anybody in trouble. I'm just saying I feel like as an adult, I don't have children myself. I don't have children attending public school, but I do enter schools a lot more than probably the average person that doesn't have kids. And I've just observed personally um, a, a wide difference in how this is treated. I, I, I've had the same experience. I mean, and, and I'm not going to name the school. Sure, fair enough. But I had a very similar experience once when I was on a on a on a trip to do an interview and I walked in the wrong door and I was walking down the hallway and I was actually hoping for somebody to just say, Hey, wait a minute, who are you and what are you here for? Because, you know, I wanted somebody to flag me down and, and challenge what I was doing within the building because, you know, you know, you know, God forbid something, you know, somebody walks in with, with bad intent and, and can just kind of stroll in the hallway and be right in the middle of the, the school. I mean, that's uh, that's scary, and I think that's why you've got uh, these audits going on, uh, these security audits that, that have been going on now for the past year or so. So, anyway, you can go to idahonews.org, find out a little bit about sort of the demise of the CEO, yeah. find out what the governor had to say as well about uh, college scholarships, and uh, get a sense of what he had to say about uh, school security. I'm glad you mentioned scholarships. We wanted to get to that. There are a couple of proposals uh, but just real quickly, let's mention it. Uh, Governor Otter has pushed for something called an adult completer scholarship for the last couple of years, not found success in the legislature. His idea is to support Idahoans who are uh, uh, basically young adults or even adults in general who have some college, but for one reason or another left college before they earned their degree. The new proposal this year involves expanding that into a different popular scholarship called the Idaho Opportunity Scholarship. Is it $5 million? Mm -hmm. Is that the new proposal? Right. The proposal is to boost the scholarship funding by $5 million. And you have to understand that even with that extra $5 million, there are probably going to be eligible students who are left empty-handed right. because there's so much demand for this money. Yes. But the governor is also hoping to allow the State Board of Education to peel off 20% mm -hmm. of this opportunity scholarship money to put it into the Adult Completer Scholarship. Now, like you say, this has not been a popular notion at the legislature. It's been voted down the past couple of years. And I asked the governor, are you concerned that you're jeopardizing funding for the, adult, uh, for the opportunity scholarship, which is popular, which legislators have supported? Are you worried that you're going to lose support for that money by attaching it to a controversial idea like the adult completer scholarship? And he said, well, I hope not. So, you know, we'll see. It's It's pretty early in the process in terms of that uh, of that issue. There's legislation that would authorize the state board to set up an adult completer scholarship. That hasn't gone anywhere yet. It hasn't had a hearing yet. So we don't know where, really where that's going. So a lot to watch for here in the next, uh, next few weeks. I mean, we're just barely halfway through the legislative session, so a lot of moving parts. Uh, and we'll definitely be keeping an eye on them. Sure. And, and that's one thing I wanted to point out. Uh, I wanted to wrap it up by sort of looking forward here at the end of the podcast today. I think we are about halfway in to the legislative session. Uh, today, Friday, was like the 40th day of the session. We may be halfway home. There's a couple of signs. Uh, not only did the first half student pages go home mm -hmm. this week, that's always a good sign, uh, but JFAC, the, the Joint Budget Committee in the legislature, is transitioning right now 
from hearing budget requests to moving into setting the budget. And the budget really is what dictates the length of the session, but a big morning for both of us coming up on Monday. Right, Monday Kevin? morning, JFAC will take up the, uh, the public school budget. You'll have a preview piece that will be posted. If you're, re- if you're listening to us anytime after probably Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon, you'll have a preview looking at what to expect there. That's going to sort out a lot of these questions. My understanding is that the higher education budgets are not too f- much further behind. That may be the last week of February. So our week next week starts off really, really fast and furious with JFAC. With, uh, with with the look at the uh, K twelve budget, and you know, obviously next week we could also be back talking about science standards. Uh, Senate Education Committee held a hearing on science standards just very quickly. Uh, Fourteen people testified. Everybody seemed to support the idea of adopting the standards in full. It's really now up to Senate Education to decide what to do. It, it was a different kind of a hearing. It was a lot less tense than the House Education committee hearings on this topic. Uh, Stephen Thane, the vice chairman, kind of administer, you know, kind of ran the hearings. I thought he did a pretty nice job of giving people some latitude. Kind of a soft speak. touch. A lot softer touch. And uh, the, the mood of the room seemed to be a lot more, uh, you know, a lot less tense than what we saw with the House Education Committee. I mean, this is still a sensitive topic for folks. We will see. Uh, we're told that it could be next week that we get a vote in Senate education. We'll see if uh, they go along with what the House did or if they go their own way. Basically, they can override the House and we could have the science standards in full. That's a big topic that we'll be watching for next week. So we should rest up this weekend because next week's going to be another busy one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, even though we're maybe at the halfway point of the session, uh, maybe about to head down the home stretch, not slowing down at all. Some of the biggest most talked about, most controversial issues uh, are still to be decided. The public school budget is the state's largest expense every year. That's why it gets so much scrutiny uh, and is so closely watched. There are a couple of interesting uh, division points between the superintendent, uh, her request, and the governor's request. We do feel uh, that teachers will get another raise next year, a fourth consecutive year of raises under the career ladder salary law. Watch, though, for a decision on whether or not JFAC decides to help school districts uh, with health insurance costs for that for their local employees. I think that's one of the biggest decisions that's undecided yet with the public school budget. We will answer that question for you with our articles and our coverage Monday afternoon. Right. right. And while we're watching what's happening in the legislature, we still have one eye on elections. If you go to, uh, to my blog, uh, Brad Little put out an education plan on Friday. I break it down and tell you what's kind of new in this, what he didn't talk about, and some of the sniping that you would expect to see three months before our primary. We break that down. Next week, I'm also going to have a piece uh, sat down with A.J. Belukov to talk about his campaign and his positions on education. We'll break that down. We'll have the story. We'll have some video from that interview. So a lot coming next week. But a lot uh, to catch up on here from this week, and uh, I think that kind of covers it. Yeah, I think that does. That's everything I wanted to get to. Thanks so much to everybody that listens uh, uh, to us on the Extra Credit Podcast, and a big welcome and a big hello if this is your first time checking us out. We always have a lot of fun kind of dissecting this complicated intersection of education policy and education politics here in the state of Idaho. So much uh, thank you all for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. 